Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I'm the pastor of Elevation Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you. Hope it builds your faith. Hope it gives you perspective to see God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. What I want to say on every location, and I want to make sure I say this, the greatest communicator on planet Earth is about to stand in this pulpit and bring forth the Word of God. Thank you, Bishop, for being my true north. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a pioneer. Thank you for being an example. Preach this word before I turn 40. Elevation Church, let's welcome the one, the only, the incomparable Bishop T.D. Jakes. What's up, everybody? If you love Jesus, scream! Wow. Glory, sit down. Sit down. You gotta have energy to go to this church. I gotta take Geritol and vitamin D and C and E and F and get my knees oiled and everything to fool with y'all. Y'all are rowdy. Anybody rowdy for Jesus in this place? Wow. Well, thank you for letting me be here. On your birthday and the church's 14th anniversary, we celebrate you. My lovely wife celebrates you. Stand up, honey. Show them I did good. You're the finest grandmama I ever saw in my life. Five kids, nine grandkids, and still rocking it. She can still twerk for the Lord. Give God a praise. See, that spirit that was on you jumped on me. I, 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 I cast it out. <laughs> well, I'm going to do something in the third service that we didn't get to do in the first service, and this is just part of my way of, of celebrating. Your pastor texts me at least twice a week, and if, if, if I preach something really good, he calls me. That's my barometer. There are levels. If he doesn't call or text, I go into depression. <laughs> I think I just completely failed God. He missed about three weeks. I said, what's wrong with you? Call me. <laughs> Say something. Uh, we love you. It's not a stage love. It's not a in front of people love. It's, it's, it's a deep uh, abiding love. So much of your story is, is like mine. You came up from a small town in a rural area, Monk's Creek. It ought to be Monk's Creek and Monk's Corner. And he came out of Monk's Corner into Charlotte. I grew up in Charleston West by God, Virginia. You got to throw the by God in there. You're not a true West Virginian. Take me home, country road, to the place I belong. West Virginia, my mama. Take me home, 
country road. I just had to authenticate that I am a true West Virginia. When you know all the words to that song, you are from West Virginia. And God sent me to Dallas, Texas, and I had whatever happened in my life happen in my life, and I just so relate to you in so many ways, and I was trying to think of something to commemorate, because he's always giving me all these cool shoes. And I got big feet, you know, so he gets me the shoes and then calls me and asks me, did I get all my toes in them? So I started to get you some cool shoes, but I, I wasn't sure you could get all your toes in them. But I do want to make a presentation to you that I thought reminded me of you. And this is part of my birthday present to you. And I hope the right thing is under here. because. <laughs> This is great faith because I didn't get to check my hand, so if I unveil it and it's the wrong thing, I'm gonna cover it up. <laughs> and for the first time in my entire life, I'm gonna turn red. <laughs> okay. Be because you, as a very young man, did such amazing things that shook the world, that transcended denominations and culture and ethnicities and backgrounds and politics and generational ideologies um, shook the world in such a powerful way. When I think of Bible characters, I thought of David. I think you are a giant killer. And so I had them get this bronze statue so that you could put this somewhere in your life that every time you run into something big or feel inadequate or wonder can you do it I brought this David to remind you that the head of the giant is under your feet and this is my sermon to you come on up close you've been coming up all while I was preaching Look at it, I paid a lot of money for this. I want, you, I, want, <laughs> I want you to get the impact that, that everything that roared against you is, is under you. And your sword is drawn and you are good. And every time you think of it, I want you to tell the Lord to bless me. <laughs> Will you do that for me? I love you, give it up for him. Thank you. Hug somebody while you're standing there till they turn blue. I'm uh, grateful to be here. You can you can be seated. Uh, Dr. Andipus, would you say Dr. Andipus runs my new Jake's Divinity School? Give it up for him. He, he comes up here to make sure that I'm theologically in order and correct. <laughs> And uh, he's running my school for me now. I just started an online, Jake's Divinity School is also online in, in Dallas. And uh, we're proud to announce that. Thank you for being here, playing a hooky away from church. <laughs> I'm gonna get you later. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, I'm, 
I, all through the other service, I kept, I was preaching, I kept looking at this guy that looked like Mike Todd, and I said, hey, gosh, looks just like Mike Todd. <laughs> and I thought I might text you later and tell you that you have a lookalike in Charlotte, <laughs> and I found out, no, it's not his twin brother, it's really him, giving up him and his lovely wife. I just let stand up, take a bow, let's celebrate them. Yeah, I appreciate you. This is just uh, good. And since you're both here, I got to brag. I got both of them preaching at my leadership conference right here in Charlotte, April 30th through May the 2nd. I'm not worried about no devils being nowhere between Stephen Furtick and Mike Todd. All the devils have moved out of Charlotte. They're scared to be around. Amen. Thank God. I've got them, Keon Henderson, myself, and a whole lot of others invite you to come and be a part of it and enjoy the Lord with Denzel Washington, Tyler Perry, a whole bunch of people. It's going to be absolutely unlike anything you have, whether you're in ministry or in business. I've got a component that really will touch your uh, life. Dave Stewart, uh, who is a billionaire that stays out of sight, low-profile, African-American, St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know how I talked to him into coming, but what's really cool about him, there's a lot of billionaires out. He's a born-again, blood-washed, spirit-filled, loves Jesus, and he's going to show you how to use your faith to move your finances to the next level because God's getting ready to pour out wealth on his people like we've never seen before so that we can have an impact in this present world. Shall all of Millionaires shout hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It's going to be good anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Thank God for your life. Thank God for this church. Go to the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 8. And while you're turning to it, I want to tell you about my dog, Pup. You know you're not very creative when you get a dog and you name him Pup. <laughs> he was just a puppy and mama said what are you gonna name him I said well let's call him pup <laughs> so he, he grew to be about that high but we still called him pup and he, he was uh, he was nice to us but he would terrorize the community so we had to keep him chained in a little I lived in a little raggedy house on the side of the hill on the backside of a mountain in Charleston, West Virginia and half of the house was on the mountain and the other half was supported by a four by four post and we had him tied to the post on a chain and we, and we, we didn't know that he could break the chain until one day this young man came down there on a bicycle and he was moving real fast, you know, on the bicycle. And he's now in my, he's been in my church, gosh, 40 years now. But at that time I was just a little boy and we didn't know that Pup could break the chain. But Pup showed us that when what he wanted in front of him was bigger than what was behind him, he broke the chain that held him and went to the next level. And I, I'm believing God for everybody in here to do some chain breaking in your life. Amen. Any chain breakers in the room? Tell somebody, tell them I'm a chain breaker. I want you to go to Book of Acts uh, 8, verse 1, and if you want to make me feel real at home, stand for the reading of the word. Uh, just because we stood for everybody else, we might as well stand for God. Beginning at verse 1, I'm going to read eight simple verses. I will extrapolate from 
the text. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna just use Pup as an example, and 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 just call it chain breaker. Mm-hmm. And look at somebody say, I'm a chain breaker. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. This is the embryonic stages of the development of the church. The church hadn't, hadn't even really come into the realization of who it really was. It had power, it had purpose, but it didn't even understand itself fully. It didn't have structure or order. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Saul, who would later become converted and be one of the greatest participants of the church, had not come into the awareness of who he was. So the church who didn't know who he was was being persecuted by a man who didn't know who he was. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison, hauling men and women and committing them unto prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad with they were, therefore, 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 because of the persecution, therefore, because of the persecution, they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the gospel. Then Philip, then Philip, then Philip went, then Philip went down to Samaria, to the city of Samaria, and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. They, they heard what he said, they watched what he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many were taken, uh, many taken with palsy, and that were lame were healed and there was great what joy in that city chain breakers let's pray father in the name of jesus i pray that your presence and power would prevail in this place today that your glory would emanate through the word of god that it would touch lives that it wouldn't just touch us, but it would touch all that concerns us, all that is around us, all that we envelop. I pray, God, that this would be that kind of yoke-breaking, thirst-quenching, mind-renewing, chain-breaking word that releases the captives and sets them free, that heals the lame, that binds up the brokenhearted. I pray a special prayer for people whose heart has been broken today and they bear a pain that no medicine can heal. But today, in the name of Jesus, I pray that healing would break out in the hearts of not only this campus, but every campus that is watching. I speak healing and deliverance. Have your way in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And I need everybody with the sound of thunder to shout, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Next time you introduce me, bring it down like a, quite a bit. You know, bring the expectation level down. Turn it down a little bit. I'd rather you <laughs> about there. And that way, if I hit there, I'm up. But if you put it up there, I, I have to leap up like Magic Johnson to get there. So pray for me. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. amen. We are in the book of Acts. 
it has wrongly been called the Acts of the Apostles, when in fact with careful study you will understand it is not so much the Acts of the Apostles, it is in fact the Acts of God. It is the acts of God through the apostles in the early formation of the church. This book is written by Luke. It is a continuation of the gospel of Luke and initially was not divided. Later it was divided from the book, but it continues the thoughts of Luke when he says, the former treaties have I made in Acts 1.1, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. The indication is that Jesus began it, but he is not finished. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach into Samaria and Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth, it is just that the Jesus that is doing it now is not doing it through the body he initially did it through, but rather than to do it through his physical body, he is now doing it through his mystical body, but it is still him. There are very few occasions that we see the physical body and the mystical body in the same place like we do at the Passover. Allow me to share what I mean. At the Passover service, you see all aspects of the body of Christ. You see the physical body of Christ. And through the bread and the wine, you see the memorial body of Christ. Serving the physical body of Christ is serving the memorial body of Christ to the mystical body of Christ who is the church and they're all at the table together. So the body of Christ says to the body of Christ, say, take, eat, this is my body. And we see all three manifestations of one body in one place. Had the enemy understood what I just said, he would have never crucified the Lord. Because when he crucified the Lord, he crucified the Lord to get the body of Christ out of the earth. But all the body of Christ did was move from the physical body of Christ into the mystical body of Christ so that the work of God could continue. And that's who you are. Your name is not James or Robert or Richard or Angela or Shaniqua. No, no. Your name, yeah, I gotta cover everything. Everybody, <laughs> this is an equal opportunity, church. <laughs> Say amen, somebody. That is not really your name. Your name is really Christ Jesus. Yes, because when the Father looks at you, he does not see you as an individual. He sees you as Jesus Christ because Christ has covered you in such a way that the truth of the matter is when Christ was on the cross, God didn't see his son. He saw your sin. And so when he reacted to what he saw and Christ was smitten of God, confused saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The reason that he felt forsaken is that he was covered up with you so that you could be covered up with him. So that the life that you now live in the flesh, you live by the faith of the son of God who loved himself and gave himself a ransom for you. I'll prove it to you. So Jesus tells you, when you go to the Father, don't use your name, because he can't see you. But whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do. So when you come to the Father in the name of Jesus, it's only because you look like Jesus. For his blood is the propitiation of your sin and has so covered you. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't have to walk up with your head down 
ashamed of your sins because your sins were judged on the cross. You can come like the beloved son because you are covered with the beloved son and you got to remember to use his name. Tell somebody, say, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus. When you come, say Jesus because you're wearing Jesus and you're walking in Jesus and you're moving in Jesus and you're living in Jesus. In him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being. And the church is really trying to get its hands around this whole notion of who they are <laughs> and understanding themselves because the Holy Spirit has fallen on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and they have received this power, this power from God which is so amazing and so incomprehensible that they will spend the rest of their lives understanding how to operate in this new dimension of the Spirit. They do not have deaconship. They do not have elders or pastors or apostles that will come with Paul. They just had power. But power without structure is a dangerous thing. Oh, do you hear what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit has fallen with such power in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 that whenever there were problems to arise, they would all gather in Jerusalem because they were afraid to get out of Jerusalem because they didn't feel ready yet. Have you ever not felt ready yet? And you knew God was going to do some amazing things in your life, but you didn't have all your details together and you didn't have everything worked out yet and you felt like destiny was moving faster than revelation was in your life and you were walking by faith and not by sight that was the feeling of the early church so whenever we don't know what to do we hang around what we know And whenever we hang around what we know too long, God has to send something to get us to move. Because being a Christian, which they weren't even named yet in, at this point, being a Christian is not a monument, it is a movement. It is a movement. It is a movement, not a monument. It's not a building. It's not a denomination. It's not a doctrine. It's a movement. Elevation is not a church. It's a movement. You understand? Thank you. It's not about a building. It's not about four walls. It's not about where you sit in a building. The vision of this church is a movement. That's why you call elevation, which means we move. We elevate. We rise, we escalate, we move forward. Don't look for us where we used to be because we are elevation. We will move on a brother. We will walk on a brother. We will rise on a brother. If the enemy tries to attack us, we will rise on the devil because we are elevation. We are like eagles. We take to the air. We rise above the storm. Come on, elevation. I'm talking about your church. I'm talking about your church and all of your local locations make some noise if you get ready to elevate in this place the problem is fear will make a movement turn into a monument and most of our denominational entanglements just tell us where they stopped moving and we memorialize where God has been rather than to thirst to be where God is. Oh, follow me because I'm going somewhere today. They told me that, the, that this is the third service and I heard you all could handle it. Yeah. 
So I'm gonna drop it like it's hot in here. Okay, you ready for this? I'm getting ready to set it off in this place. Are you ready for me to set it off in this place? I'm getting ready to tell you that God has a way of shifting things, getting us out of our comfort zone, pushing us away from the familiar. He forces us to scatter. And that's exactly what this text is all about because in Acts chapter 8, the church that is trying to memorialize where God was is being pushed out of their comfort zone by the attack of Saul. Out of the persecution of Saul comes direction. Direction, persecution. Persecution is direction. Sometimes you shout about the doors God opens, but you ought to be shouting about the doors God closes. He will push you. And what has happened up until the first eight, ten years of the early church, they kept coming back to the council at Jerusalem. Because after all, Jerusalem is the epicenter of every, of almost every major religion in the world today, claims its origin and root to go back to the city of Jerusalem. That is why the Middle East has so much conflict, because they're fighting over territory. Because Jerusalem becomes Jerusalem, the holy city, the city of peace the offspring and the progenitor of which three major religions claim heritage. Yet you must realize that Jesus throws us a hint when he was crucified, according to the book of Hebrews, outside of the city. <laughs> Jesus, by his crucifixion, is already preaching to us that he's trying to escape religious order. <laughs> that he's breaking up orthodoxy that he refuses to be left into the expected but he's going to move in the unexpected and so when the book of Hebrews said that he died without the city it means that he escaped the religious order to expose who he really was so that he wouldn't be stuck in the prison of religious ideology that's why some people can't handle elevation because you are unexpected you're out of the box. You break all the rules. You change the game. You change the flow. You broke the order. Look at you young folks and old folks and you, black folks and white folks and brown folks shouting and dancing and praising God. Elevation is... Now, you must understand that Christianity was not popular then. It didn't even have a name yet. It wasn't until they got to Antioch that they started to be called Christians. The early church was called the Way, and then later they were called the Believers, and eventually at Antioch they were called the Church. And so the, this nameless group of Jesus freaks were coming to Jerusalem because that's where they had last spotted his glory. Whenever there was a dispute, they came back to Jerusalem. Whenever there was confusion, they came back to Jerusalem. And they kept huddling in Jerusalem. So God sent persecution to shift them. I want to talk to everybody who's been persecuted. And you've been thinking it was the devil. 
if it was the devil, God used him. <laughs> because God will often use the devil to shift you from one dimension to the next dimension. That's why we glory in tribulation. Anybody can glory when things are going well, but real believers glory in tribulation. Oh, I appreciate all of you that are praising God because everything's going right, but the real praise goes to the people where all hell is breaking loose and you're still praising God anyway because God is shifting you through persecution. And the Bible says that God sent persecution to Jerusalem to scatter the church out of its comfort zone to make them move to the next dimension to get them out of Monk's Corner or Creek or whatever. You, 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 you see, God has a way of ordering your steps in such a way that sometimes you have to pack your bags and flee your comfort zone to find your destiny. And that's what we're reading in the book of Acts. And the Bible carefully, cautiously, almost as a footnote, inserts that Philip went down to Samaria. Now let's talk about Samaria. It is not happenstance that Philip would scatter to Samaria. God has unfinished business in Samaria. The Gospel of St. John declares that Jesus sat by the well, a well sitting on a well. I waited for that to sink in. Uh, yes, Jesus is Jacob's well. Israel's well and he's sitting on Jacob's well and he's waiting for this one loose woman this woman I called her a loose woman I called her loose forgive me maybe you don't like that but she had had five husbands in in a society that that forbid that kind of carrying on she had five husbands and a situation you know, some of us get into these situations. It's not he. Well, who is it? Well, he's not exactly. Uh, he, uh, we're friends. So, so she had five husbands and a friend. She came down to the well, having been married five times and was living with a man on the sixth time and came down to the well and met the seventh man. And when she met the seventh man, the search was over because he quenched the thirsting of her soul and set her free and liberated her and gave her the victory. And you will remember that it was not her thirst that initiated the conversation. But if you will study it back in the Gospel of St. John, you will find out that what provoked the initial conversation was not her thirst because she expected her thirst to be quenched by the well that he was sitting on. But what started the conversation is his thirst. He says, woman, I thirst. She did not know. She thought she was a tramp, but the tramp was a thirst quencher. Misapplied and misallocated, I will admit, but the reason that she was always able to get somebody is that there was something in this woman that was designed to be a thirst quencher. She just had not found the right thirst to quench. You missed that. Yeah. 
Sometimes it has to be the right man to bring out in you what's really down inside of you. And none of those other men could really bring it out in the first place. But when she got to the seventh man, the seventh man showed her why she was the way she was. She was a thirst quencher. You see, she thirsted for water. He thirsted for her because she was going to be the vessel that set it off. You will remember that we don't know her name. We don't know whether she's Helen or Jane. We just know that she is a woman from Samaria. <laughs> and God needed something to be planted in Samaria so that there would be something to harvest in Samaria. No seed, no harvest. So the woman at the well was the seed. And Philip goes down to collect the harvest. Are you with me so far? Come on, they told me you was really smart in the third service. So I could, I could drop it in here. You can handle it. The woman at the well was the seed. Now Philip goes down to Samaria to collect the harvest. I want you to get that in your spirit. One, I want you to get that some of the things that are wrong in you are only wrong because you haven't met the right man. That there is a reason that you are the way you are. And when you get the right piece of the puzzle in the right place, everything will make sense. If you work crossword puzzles, you'll understand that you can't cram the right peace into the wrong place and some of you have been crammed into all kinds of places that you didn't really fit but when you find Jesus you will find out why you are shaped the way you shape and you fall into place anyway so says the story <laughs> that the woman who was at the well she dropped her water pots Look at her shifting occupations. She dropped her water pots and went running into the city to tell all the men. The yeah, baby. Tell all the men, since she knew all the men. <laughs> she had influence with the men. She had access to the men. So the woman told all the men, the men to come see a man. She said, let me show you what a real man is. <laughs> so after church, I want you to call all your exes and say, don't do that, don't do that, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing. I don't wanna have to get you out of jail, just be cool. This is just an illustration, okay? She says, come see a real man who told me all things I had ever done. And the men came out to see. Imagine in a misogynic society, means they don't respect women, that God would use that which they do not respect to bring him respect. And the women sowed the seed. 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 I want to start a revolution with every woman in this room. 
come out of the shadows, come out of the corner, come out of the background. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. In spite of all of your mistakes, God is going to use you to set it off. I need some sisters that can set it off in this place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now everybody in here that's a woman is a woman, but then there, amongst the women, there are real women. There, there, there are women. I'm not talking to all you women who never did anything and never smoked anything and never drank anything and never went anywhere and never been in a club and you've always been a Christian. That's wonderful. I'm not against you. I'm proud of you. I celebrate you. But there's a reason that some of these broken women were called into the kingdom because you're courageous, because you're bold, because you say what you think and let the chips fall where they may. I want to raise up some sassy sisters in this room that can make some noise. Let me hear the sassy sisters set it off. God is about to use what was working against you to work for you. <laughs> He's getting ready to take you to the next level. So this is a water pot dropping moment. Leaving the lesser for the greater. Leaving the former for the latter. She now runs into the city and says, come see a man. She planted a seed. No wonder Jesus waited for her. He said, I must need go to Samaria. I have to go to Samaria. And then didn't go to Samaria. He just met the woman from Samaria. <laughs> he met the woman from Samaria because all he had to go to Samaria for was to find a woman who was bold enough to set it off in that city. And she planted a seed. Fast forward. <laughs> we have not heard anything else out of Samaria since this one wild radical woman has started a little revival meeting that caused the men to see the prophets. Fast forward to Acts chapter 8 when per persecution arose in Jerusalem. All of a sudden it got so nasty. Saul was killing and imprisoning so many believers that Philip says, I'm going to guess what? Samaria. Because God had unfinished business in Samaria. Something had been planted in Samaria. Time had passed. And now Philip goes to Samaria. The only problem with Samaria is that Simon the sorcerer had set up a camp in Samaria and began to afflict the city. See, anytime the enemy knows that God is going to do something great in your life, in your city, in your church, he will always send Simon the sorcerer to counteract what God is doing in your life. What I'm trying to get you to see is the reason you're under attack is because God has started something in your life and anytime the enemy sends wheat he will always plant tear y'all still with me you good you all right breathe in breathe out shout hallelujah 
because something is about to happen in Samaria. Samaria is up under attack by Simon the sorcerer. Now I'm getting ready to go in for the kill. Simon has taken over the region and convinced him that he is some wonder. Simon has taken over the region. Now let me show you something about satanic attack. The enemy likes to take over territories what the Bible calls principalities. They rule over regions, over cities, over areas. And the enemy has set himself up in Samaria trying to stop the power of God from prevailing in the city. And against all of these forces that have ensnared the city, God sends Philip. Glory to God. God sends Philip. Watch this. I want to go deeper. The enemy is over a region. He sets up territories. That's why we call him principalities. He takes over regions. The spiritual warfare that exists over Charlotte is different from the spiritual warfare that exists over Tulsa. It's different from the spiritual warfare that exists over Chicago. That's why you can't use a Charlotte weapon against a Lego spirit. You have to understand the warfare that exists over your city. You remember when Jesus went to the man who was filled with demons in Gadarenes and when he finally cast out the demons, the demons said to Jesus, suffer us not to leave the region. We've done so much work in this territory. We don't mind if we have to change vessels, but don't let us leave the region. There's demonic warfare that takes over areas and certain areas are given over to certain types of perversities. <laughs> there are demonic warfares that are over certain families. <laughs> and certain warfares have taken over certain families. Grandma got pregnant out of wedlock. Mama got pregnant out of wedlock. And now my daughter comes in the house and tells me she's pregnant. That's a, that's a spirit. It set up rain over the territory. My daddy was an alcoholic and I'm a drug addict. And now my son has started getting high. That's a regional territorial principality that didn't want to let the Johnsons go. That didn't want to let the Wilsons go. That didn't want to let the Richardsons grow. I know you can't say anything, but there are certain things that run in your family. Yeah, and you can say, you can look at your sisters acting just like your auntie, and your auntie's talking just like your grandmama, and all of them got the same spirit, and you want to break the chain. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, I feel something. 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 Touch your neighbor and say, break the chain. <laughs> Yeah, that's why God saved you to break the chain. That's why pastor baptized you to break the chain, to bury who you used to be so you could rise up into who you're gonna be. He baptized you to break the chain that was holding you down in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm gonna break this chain. 
My uncle committed suicide. My cousin committed suicide. My brother committed suicide. I feel the spirit of suicide, but I'm going to break the chain. Look at your neighbor and say, break the chain. You don't even know what kind of chain it is, but everybody in the room has got a chain that's got to break in order for them to be free. There's a chain that has to break in order for them to be delivered. Shout yes, somebody. I'll show you another chain. Abraham got to Gerar, and when he got there, he lied and told the king that his wife was his sister. Okay, at the time that Abraham told the lie about Sarah, Isaac wasn't even born yet. Fast forward, here comes Isaac with his wife, tells the same lie that his father told, a lie that he never even heard, but there was a chain between Abraham and Isaac so that the chain was there and the same lie was there and the same struggle was there, but something is about to happen. Let me go deeper. It used to be when you went to the doctor, the doctor to only examine you. Now when you go to the doctor, he wants to know, did your grandmother have heart, heart trouble? Did your grandfather have high blood pressure? Did your grandfather have diabetes? Did your father die diabetes? Why does it matter what my grandmother had? She's dead. I'll tell you what matters. There's a chain link between you and your grandmother. There's a chain link in the health of your body, in the wealth of your mind, in the way you handle emotions. There's a chain between the two. If grandma was prone to depression and mama was prone to depression and now you're sitting up here, you couldn't feel it at 15, but now at 23, you're starting to feel depressed. That's not your depression. That's your grandma's depression. Trying to hook up a link between who you are and who they were. But I came to serve notice on the devil. The devil is a liar. You reign terror over the the city long enough. You've wreaked havoc long enough. You've held us in bondage long enough. I am not going to let my daddy's devil defeat me. Oh, hell no. There's going to be a chain to break in this place today. I don't know who I'm preaching to and I don't know who God sent me here for, but something is about to break in your life like it never broke before and I command the spirit of release to happen in this place. I need about 60 seconds of crazy praise in this place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him in defiance. Praise him with attitude. Praise him with conviction. Praise him with tenacity. Praise him like you mean business. Praise him like your life depends on it. Praise him like you're going to rebuke suicide. Praise him like you're coming out of depression. Praise him like you're coming out of promiscuity. Praise him like you're coming out of pornography. Praise him like you're coming out of adultery. Praise him, praise him, praise him. I will not leave my husband. I will not abuse my wife. I will not beat my child. I'm going Going to break the chain. Shout it!
couldn't stay in Monk's corner is because you had a devil to fight and everything God did to get you ready was to get you to come into an area where the enemy had set up camp in a region and he was preparing you in Monk's Corner getting you ready for what he was going to do down in Charlotte so that yokes could be broken over the lives of the people who had been praying and said I gotta be free I gotta be delivered and I gotta be whole and the reason there's such an anointing in this church and there's such praise in this church church and there's such deliverance in this church is because when you got in here something broke in your life if I got a witness anywhere in the house make some noise like you lost your mind so the text says <laughs> that Philip went down to Samaria. It's not like he went strolling down to Samaria, you know. It wasn't like that at all. He didn't come to have a cup of tea, you know. He didn't come down there because he wanted to ride the Ferris wheel in Samaria. He was on a mission. When God puts somebody on a mission, hell gets nervous. When God puts a man on a mission, demons begin to tremble. They start trying to stop the man from getting to where he's trying to go. Let me prove it to you. When Jesus got ready to go to deliver the man who was bound in the tomb of Gadarenes, on his way to the area a storm arose out of nowhere and the Bible said that the whole ship began to rock and reel and the Bible says that Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat and Peter began to be afraid that the whole thing was going to capsize. Why do you think that the storm broke out? The storm broke out because the devil knew that Jesus was on his way to deliver the man that was bound by the demonic influence and the Bible said, oh, I feel like preaching. <laughs> oh, I feel something in this place. Touch your neighbor and say, you came to the right service. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus is down in the bottom of the boat and he's resting and he's resting up because there's going to be a fight. He's resting up because he knows when he gets to the destination, he's got a devil to fight. In fact, he's got several devils to fight. He's got legions of devils to fight and he's got to fight them by himself. And so the Bible said he was down in the bottom of the boat. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat in the middle of a hurricane. What kind of Jesus can sleep in the middle of a storm? And the whole boat is rocking and reeling and the boat is filling with water and neither the winds nor the rains had interrupted his rest. Y'all didn't get it. The winds were blowing, the lightning was flashing, the thunder was erupting out of nowhere and water was filling up the boat so bad that Peter was afraid the boat was gonna go 
underwater and Jesus was in the hinder parts of the ship. He had to be wet. This is not the carnival cruise line. He had to be waxed. And the wind was blowing. And the boat was rocking. And none of that woke up Jesus. But when one of his believers called him. Can I go off? <laughs> I want you to know that you got the power to wake up Jesus like And say, just say, say something. Say something. That's why whenever you get depressed, the devil don't want you to say nothing. Whenever you're going through a test, the devil don't want you to say nothing. Whenever you're in great temptation, the devil don't want you to say nothing. Whenever your marriage is in trouble, the devil don't want you to say nothing. Because hell knows that the power of life and death is in your tongue. And if you open up your mouth, you can wake up Jesus like nobody else can wake up Jesus. The wind can't wake him. The waves can't wake him. The storm can't wake him. But I dare you to... Do you think that Peter's voice had more decibel impact than thunder? Or lightning? With nobody else but Jesus. He can hear your faintest cry. He can hear a tear slide over the bridge of your nose at three o'clock in the morning. God is so in tune with you while nothing else can break his rest. If you get in trouble when you are at dis-ease, your disease will wake him up. By the way, half of your diseases are coming from your disease. I speak to every nervous, upset, restless, frustrated condition that you have said nothing about that's coming out in illnesses and stress attacks and insomnia and eating disorders. God's going to give you a breakthrough today. You're not eating because you're hungry. You're not up because you're not tired. You're up because you're at dis-ease. But God is about to give you some peace today. Somebody holler, peace! Jesus woke up. Jesus woke up, rose to the bow of the ship in the middle of the winds and the waves. He opened his mouth and cleared his throat, wiped the sleep out of his eyes. And the Bible says he rebuked the winds and the waves and said, Peace. Peace be still. 
wait a minute, let's roll that back. He rebuked the winds and the waves. Rebuked? You don't rebuke winds and waves. You might stop winds and waves. You might arrest winds and waves. You don't rebuke winds and waves. You rebuke spirits. I came to tell you there's a spirit behind your storm. There's a spirit behind your distress. There's a spirit behind your dysfunction. There's a spirit behind that problem with your child. That child doesn't need no more retinin. They don't need no more medication. They don't need to be zonked out of their head. There's a spirit that's after your child. You could put away half of that medicine and rebuke that spirit. The Bible said he rebuked the winds and the waves. And when the winds and the waves heard the voice of the master who made them, he overruled the spirit that sent them. And the winds got slain in the spirit and the waves lay prostrate in the floor. And there was a great calm in the tempest of the sea. And they sailed on without incident because God always gets to the core of a situation. Watch me. We pray about the symptoms of a situation. You ask God to fix the symptom, but God is after the core of the situation. Who am I helping today? This same God is the God that sent Philip to Samaria to take back the region. This is not just about you. God wants to take back the region. He wants to take back the neighborhood. He wants to take back your bloodline. And the reason the enemy is fighting you so hard is not just you, it's your daughter and your son and your grandchildren that are at stake because God wants to take back the territory. I feel the kind of power that will release you generationally, that will break every yoke over your mind and over your spirit. I need some real praises. I don't mean no cute praises. I mean some real praises. Somebody who will praise him for your daughter and praise him for your son and praise him for your children and praise him for your sister's children. I want to give you 30 minutes to praise him like you're expecting Jesus to show up in the room right now. Open your mouth and move your hands and move your feet, move your knees or move your lips or move your eyes. Flap your eyes, move your jaws, make some kind of let everything that have breath praise Jesus.
scripture for years. For years, Pup stayed under the house. Y'all with me? He would run out and bark, and the chain would pull him back. He would run out and bark, and the chain would pull him back. Somebody would drive off in the car, he'd run out, and the chain would pull him back. And because it had pulled him back so many times, we thought the chain was stronger than the dog. Somebody has tried to go forward, but every time you tried to go forward, the chain would pull you back. You made a New Year's resolution, but the chain would pull you back. And you're starting to think that the chain is stronger than you. But one day, Pup saw something in front of him that was stronger than what was behind him. And when he ran out and the chain tried to pull him, he snarled and said, not this time. Somebody said, not this time. You can't have my daughter. You can't have my son. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my life. I declare to you something in this room. I'm going to pray them till my daughter gets delivered. I'm going to pray them till my son comes home. I'm going to pray them till my marriage is healed. Lift your voice. Lose your mind. Give your God. We'll bless the Lord at all Samaria he turned the city upside down since you're all standing I can't tell you to stand so turn around in a circle God is getting ready to turn things upside down in your life he's getting ready to shake things up everything that was tied up is about to break loose in your life my God Wait a minute, before I praise him for what he's about to do, I want to praise him for the persecution that brought me to where I am. If I hadn't been hated like that, if I hadn't been attacked like that, if I hadn't cried out like that, I wouldn't have the power. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Something is about to snap. (laughs) 
I didn't come to preach in this last service. I came to bring a prophetic utterance in this last service. Something is about to snap in your life. Something that's been pulling you back for years is about to snap in your life. You've been praising God over top of pain, but the pain is about to snap in your life. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but something is about to snap in your life. And you're going to thank God for the trouble that pushed you over the edge because it has driven you to a breaking point and something is about to break loose in your life. If I'm preaching to you, holler at your boy. When Philip came to Samaria, there was demonic influence, there was possessions, and the Bible said there was sickness, and there was disease, and God sent one man. Against a city of trouble, Stop pastoring this church and pastor the city. This is not about a church. It's about a city. It's about a city. And every satellite church is a cell. And I came to activate every cell in every city that's watching me online. There's a reason that a cell has been planted in your area. Because God is about to activate you like a terrorist to go into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you. Everything that the devil stole is coming back. I don't know who I'm preaching to and I better stop because I feel my old preacher standing up inside of me and what I feel right now ain't even in style no more but I feel the power of the Holy Ghost the kind of power that resurrected Jesus up out of the grave somebody in this room you to understand every city, every area, every neighborhood you're in, every place God put you to work, he did not send you there to make money. He sent you there as a witness in that area to turn that area inside out. God could give you money anywhere. He told his disciples, money ain't nothing. I'll put your money in a fish's mouth. Money is not your problem. You're not there to make money. You're on assignment. And when this service is over, I'm 
going to release you to go into places you've never gone and see the power of God move like it's never moved before. Lay hands on the sister next to you and the brother next to you and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. God is getting ready to take you somewhere. God is getting ready to use you somewhere. God is getting ready to release you somewhere. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm gonna take my seat, but I feel a spirit of release coming in this place right now. Behold, I give you power over the enemy. Power over your problems, power over your fear, power over your situation. I'm tired of counseling what we ought to cast out. Get back, devil. Get out of my mind. Get out of my belly. Get out of my body. Get out of my spirit. Open your mouth and holler out to your seven people and tell them you're a chain breaker you're a chain breaker you're a chain breaker you're a chain breaker something's getting ready to break in your house break in your ministry break in your body break in your energy break in your mind if you're ready for it to break shout out to God Philip hit Samaria with his ministry. He revolutionized the city so much so that Simon the sorcerer wanted what he had. Get ready for the people who once hated you. and nothing you did could please him. There's a reason they couldn't accept you. God meant for you to be alone and lonely and walk by yourself because he never meant for you to become them. He meant for them to become you. 
and you have finally reached the season that those who once fought you are now going to seek you. And you've got to be healed enough and feel safe enough to let people in that you've been scared of because God is going to use you to minister to people who maligned you. And you've got to know who you are well enough to be ready to receive them because you're bigger than that. You're bigger than that. Watch this church. The last verse of the text says that when Philip hit Samaria, he rebuked the devils. He healed the diseases. And there was great joy in the, not in the church, in the city. You have not been sent to churches, but regions. So when the region is in crisis, you must speak because your vision cannot be contained by walls or campuses. The Bible said the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. This is about kingdoms. Now something is about to shift it. Something is about to shift. Mm. Oh Lord. Something is about something is about to shift. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? How many are glad you're in this service right now? On every campus, everywhere this word is being streamed everywhere you're watching on Facebook Live and everywhere else, a chain is about to break off of your life like it has never broken before. Take your city. Take your region. <laughs> Take your region. Take your region. You gotta get out of thinking your vision fits within the topography of your walls. You're bigger than that. You must speak to regions. You must speak to territories. You must speak to areas that are desperate to hear your voice beyond your walls. These are not your congregations. These are your disciples. And everywhere you send them. The people God gave you are not your destination. They are your transportation. 
to go into all the world and all the world's systems. And there is a shift coming in this place. And I can feel it from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Some of you, you're in that family to turn that family upside down. And you don't have to argue and you don't have to fight and you don't have to be super deep or super spiritual. All you have to do is just let the glory of the love of God flow out of you in such a way you're not going to have to approach them, they're going to approach you to see what it is you got that gave you that kind of peace. And all I need to do is break the link that yet connects you to a family or a region that is dysfunctional, that's trying to hold your neck back from the next dimension. You are not fighting with your devil. It's your mama's devil and your grandmama's devil and your grandfather's devil and the devil of your family and the devil of your region and the mentality from where you grew up and where you came from. Satan has set up a principality and because you are straining the chain, he does not want to let you go because if you get loose, If, you, if I'm not talking about playing church and putting on games and playing, but if you actually get loose, everything connected to you is going to be loose by the power of God. Join hands with somebody, leave no one untouched. like it was a popsicle stick and when it popped he started running I'm going to count to three and when I get to three everything physically ailments in your body afflictions that have attacked your health <laughs> every mental and emotional disorder, every nervous condition, every bipolar, every neurotic, every distressed, every anger, everything that has ever held you. I'm believing God is going to break loose. The storm cannot stop you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Squeeze that hand you're holding. The enemy doesn't want her to have peace. He doesn't want him to have peace because they are a chain breaker. Somebody slipped back from the first service to be in the second service. Something just told you to stay there. God's got something else for you. You're in the right place at the right time. We're getting ready to pop something in this place.
Hallelujah. If you're online, get ready for it to pop. It's going to pop. The thing you're fighting is not yours. It's passed through your family and your bloodline. But today it's going to pop. It's in your way. It's in your way of your destiny. It's in your way of your future. It's in the way of your prophecy. Squeeze that hand. Family dysfunctions. Get ready to pop in this place. Oh, this is a big service. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the glory. It's getting ready to pop in this place. Some of you came out of regions with attitudes and dispositions and every now and then you act like where you came from. But squeeze that hand, the chain is about to pop. One! Are you ready for it? Do you believe that God is bigger than anything that ever held you, that ever had you tied up? Do you believe that he's greater than anything you've been feeling in your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit? Do you believe it? 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 Two, do you believe that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper and every tongue that rises against you God will condemn? Do you believe that this is the day that the Lord hath made and you're going to get a release today that's going to be on you the rest of your life? It's going to get in the car with you. It's going to get in the house with you. It's going to work with you. When I get to three, I want you to shout like you lost your mind. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit elevationchurch.org slash podcast for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Elevation Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.